Well, today's sermon is entitled, The Winner Has Dinner with a Sinner. And I think that will make a little more sense as we move along. But I'm just going to jump right into this. And so if you have your Bibles and you would like to follow along, go ahead and turn to the New Testament book, The Gospel of Luke, Luke 19, Luke 19. That is where we will be spending our morning. Luke 19. I'm just going to start with verses 1 through 2. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So just to lay a little bit of a geographical context here, Jericho was a small city that lay uh, just a few miles away from the mighty Jordan River. Now, Jericho was not a desert city. It was more like an oasis. There were palm trees. There were gardens. There were natural springs that dotted its landscape. And because of this place's natural beauty and thriving metropolis, it was the city where many Jewish caravans would stop at on their way to Jerusalem for the yearly feasts and festivals. It was a beautiful and prosperous place. So naturally, folks wanted to live there. They wanted to live there. And so large numbers of priests and rabbis had homes there. Yet it wasn't just the holy people. It was a diverse community. Roman officials, Roman soldiers, along with tax collectors and publicans also called this place home. And one of these tax collectors was named Zacchaeus. He was a Jew. And just like Matthew, who we looked at just a few weeks ago, he was hated and despised by his fellow countrymen. His wealth and his rank were rewards of a calling that the Jews hated and loathed. They saw rich tax collectors like Zacchaeus as being living representations of injustice and extortion. Yet, as we will soon see, Zacchaeus was not the hardened man of the world that he may have seemed to be. Beneath the outward appearance of greed and pride was an inward spirit that was open and susceptible to divine influences. He had heard of Jesus, and it had awakened with him a longing for acceptance and a fresh start. And those just so happen to be the same two things that Jesus offers to all of us. Zacchaeus was a man who thought himself to be a sinner in the eyes of God. Yet what he had been hearing about this man, Jesus, had kindled hope within his heart. I personally am a big believer in the power and importance of representation. It gives people hope. It helps them to feel seen, and it unveils the possibilities that are attainable to them. And for Zacchaeus, he came to believe that repentance 
and reformation of his life were possible for him because he knew that one of Jesus' closest followers, one of his 12, used to also be a rich tax collector. Hope was burning within Zacchaeus' heart, and this chief tax collector longed to look upon the face of Jesus. Now, I believe that this hope, this conviction that he had, could only come about by the Holy Spirit. And I say this because there are some in this room and and many in rooms just like this every Saturday, every Sunday morning all over the world that believe that the only way that Jesus will love you is if you're a religious person. I've heard people say it. You know, I wish I was like so-and-so. They are just so religious and so close to God and, 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 and they love Jesus and Jesus loves them. And what they do is they paint religious people as being on the in with Jesus and paint the rest of us as being just hanging around on the outside. I've lost count of the amount of times I've heard someone say, I can't go to church. I won't go to church because church is for religious people. Now, Zacchaeus was many things, but nobody in his day, nobody in his time would have referred to Zacchaeus as a religious man. And then there are others who do have a desire to go to church, but they say, I can't go yet. I can't go to church until I get clean. That's like saying, I'm not gonna go to the doctor until I'm well. I'm not going to the library until I'm well-read. I'm not going to sleep until I'm more rested. It's kind of putting the cart before the horse. Doesn't make much sense. But the fact of the matter is this, dear friends. Jesus did not come to save religious folk. Jesus is the great physician, and he calls sinners to him for healing. Jesus is the great rescue worker who came seeking those who were lost. Now, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but I'm gonna do it anyways, because later on in this chapter, we find this verse, Jesus speaking about himself. He said, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus is the shepherd who finds it. In the parable of the lost coin, Jesus is the woman who cleans up the house to find it. In the parable of the lost son, Jesus is the father who is waiting with open arms to accept his son back and throw a party. In the parable of the pearl of great price, Jesus is the merchant that sells all that he has in order to obtain it. Dear friends, you are that lost sheep. You are that lost coin. You are that lost child. You, in the eyes of God, are that pearl of great price. And you may not see yourself as worthy, but the value of an object is determined by the one who is willing to pay the price, and Jesus was willing to pay it all for you. Amen. Y'all got me preaching the gospel now. 
I'm gonna slow down. I'm gonna slow down. We gotta go back to Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus, Jesus comes into Jericho and there's a crowd in front and behind him. Zacchaeus knows this. And this wasn't some quiet crowd. No, because the crowds that followed Jesus were full of a certain kind of noise. Because while Jesus walks, he heals. While Jesus walks, he forgives. While Jesus walks, he builds up faith in the people around him. So when Jesus walks, there is a certain kind of, you could call it a joyful noise. And it's no ordinary noise. And I believe that Zacchaeus, he caught wind of that. So what does he do? Verses three and four of Luke 19, it says, and he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Now remember, this was a noisy scene. But through all of the noise, through the, the angry shouts of the religious leaders, through the cries of joy and excitement from those that were healed, the unspoken desires of this one short, rich tax collector reached the heart of Jesus. Jesus heard his heart. Jesus heard through the noise. And Jesus can still hear through the noise of this world and the noise of your life. He can hear you as you cry out to him, as you beg for forgiveness and relief and clarity and wisdom and salvation. Don't ever forget that Jesus hears you. Jesus hears your heart. Before you even utter the words, Jesus hears your prayer. Before you cry out, Jesus is moving to save you. Before you say his name, he knows the desires of your heart. And so we hear, we, we, we find Zacchaeus, a rich man <laughs> up in a tree. That's where you would expect to find children, right? Climbing up in a tree. That's where you might expect to find somebody who did their shopping at the thrift store for their clothing. Yet here we find a wealthy man, a powerful man, a grown man, a man in a three-piece suit up in a tree, up in a tree. Because you see, when there is a God-shaped hole in your heart, none of that other stuff matters. None of that other stuff can fill that hole. This world is full of people who try to achieve peace through working hard or making money or buying expensive things or gaining the respect of powerful people. But none of those things can bring the joy that comes from knowing that you are loved and accepted by Jesus. None of those things can bring the joy that comes from the assurance of salvation. Zacchaeus had the nice house. He had the, the fast car, the expensive suits. He attended the formal dinners, and he was even given the seat at the head of the table. 
yet he still felt lost. He still felt empty. But now Jesus had come to town. And Jesus was known to have a reputation. Jesus was known to not only hang out with the religious folk. The reputation of Jesus was that he hung out with all kinds of people. Yes, even those people who had been scorned by others and by society. Zacchaeus had heard that Jesus was the kind of guy who didn't misjudge people based on their profession or their reputation. No, Jesus chose to see the best in people. We have that choice too. <laughs> we, we can make that choice as well. But Jesus chose to see the best in people and he accepts us all as we are and offers us a fresh start, seeing the potential in us that we would never even dream of for ourselves. That's Jesus. And so Zacchaeus is up in that tree in all of his fancy clothes, and the crowd is passing along below him. And then there is one person, one man in the crowd who stops and looks up into that tree. And this man seems to be able to read the very soul of Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him. What's that word, everybody? Joyfully. Joyfully. I can imagine that in, in those moments between Jesus looking up at the rich man in the tree and, and actually speaking out the words, to Zacchaeus, that to him, Zacchaeus, it probably felt like an eternity. I bet he was sweating bullets. I bet there was anxiety in his heart, in his mind. And as Jesus's mouth opened, based on all of his prior experiences with religious folk, I'm sure that Zacchaeus was wondering if Jesus was going to publicly just call out all of his sins. But instead, Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. Jesus didn't have one of his disciples go ahead to Jericho to figure this information out. Jesus didn't do research to find out what his name was. No, all the way back in John chapter 1, verse 48, Jesus also called Nathanael by name. And Nathanael asked, how do you know my name? How do you know my name? And Jesus said, I knew your name before you even got here. I knew your name before you showed up in front of me. We live in a time when everybody has become anonymous, right? We're, we're hidden behind screens and, and keyboards, and nobody knows us. Nobody knows our name from birth to death. You're born in a hospital, and you're given a little bracelet with a number on it. And you're given a social security number. And eventually, 
You get a driver's license number. You start to work. You're given a tax ID number. If you have an accident, then you're a claim number. If you buy a ticket on a plane, then you are a seat number. And you go through life in this way, and eventually you become a plot number. But a few chapters before this story, Jesus said that God has numbered the hairs on our head. Luke 12, 7, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Notice that he doesn't just say that he merely knows the number of the hairs on your head, but he has each specific one numbered. You're telling me God doesn't know who you are? even with that possibly fake happy Sabbath smile pasted on your face when you came into the doors today, he can read your heart. He sees through the masks that we put on. He sees every fear you are wrestling with, every difficult circumstance that you are struggling with, every heartache you feel, but he also sees every victory that he has in store for you. Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows who you are. You're not just a number to Jesus. And Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was. He knew this man up in a tree. And he invited him to come down out of that tree. He calls him by name and he says, I'm going to your house today. Won't you let me in? Won't you open the door and invite me in? But remember, there's a crowd with Jesus, right? A a, a big crowd. But when they, the crowd, saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. A few weeks ago, we saw a similar thing. We saw that the Pharisees complained when Jesus went to the home of Matthew, the tax collector. But now we see that the animosity has grown. It's not just the religious leaders who are complaining, but it's it's a larger contingency within the crowd. You've got a righteous man And Jesus, who's despised because he's too good. You've got a wicked man in Zacchaeus who's despised because, well, he's too bad. But Jesus looks into Zacchaeus' eyes, and with love in his heart and in his tone, he calls Zacchaeus by name. And what I'm here to tell you this morning is that what Jesus did for Zacchaeus Jesus is ready and willing to do for everybody in this world. Jesus does not love you more or less because of your reputation. He does not respect you more because of who your parents are or what your parents did. He will look, he will not look at your life and only like you if you've been good. Jesus' love is unconditional unconditional. At the end of the Bible, we we learn that ultimately, when it's all said and done, Jesus wins. Jesus wins. And that's why I gave the title to today's sermon. The winner, Jesus, has dinner with a sinner, 
Zacchaeus. And after this time together, the Bible says that Zacchaeus stands up. He stands up. Now, before we get to that, in the book of Exodus, we read this. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. So the, the, the Old Testament is teaching us that if we steal, if we take from somebody, to make that right, we should give back four or five fold. And after some time with Jesus, Zacchaeus said, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. He admitted past wrongs and a willingness to make things right. You see, when you let Jesus into your house, you can't help but have a better understanding of everything that's good and right and just. One of my favorite authors put it this way, the very first response of Zacchaeus to the love of Christ was in manifesting compassion toward the poor and suffering. Jesus heard this and he responded to Zacchaeus saying, today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, Zacchaeus' own people had rejected him. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 Zacchaeus, you weren't kicked out, you just got lost, and now I have found you. And in case you weren't aware, in the previous chapter, Luke 18, there's a similar story. There's some connections there. We learn about a man, we don't know his name, but he's referred to as the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler. And he also had an encounter with Jesus. But it went a different way. So if you compare the story of the rich young ruler and the story of Zacchaeus, some very interesting things come to the surface. What was their reason for coming to Jesus? What was their response once they met Jesus? And what was the result after that? For the rich young ruler, we are told the reason he came to Jesus was because he wanted eternal life. That was the reason he went to Jesus. Zacchaeus, we are told, he just wanted to see Jesus. His reason for getting up in that tree was so that he could see Jesus. You see, the rich young ruler was coming with a transactional perspective. But Zacchaeus was coming with a relational perspective. And so what was the response? We are told that the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. But we just read together that what happened with Zacchaeus, the response was that he received joy, joy. And what was the result? The rich young ruler, he, he lowers his head and, and he leaves. But what was the result for Zacchaeus? Jesus said salvation had come to his house. When we make obtaining salvation the point, it becomes 
transactional. But when we make knowing Jesus the point, salvation is the natural byproduct of that relationship. After the rich young ruler walked away from Jesus, our Savior said, it's hard for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples, they, they marveled amongst themselves. There's a sense of exasperation in their words. They're like, if, if a rich man who seems to have it all together and has received all these blessings, then if he can't be saved, who then can be saved? Who then can be saved? But as they reflected upon this, Jesus delivered the most powerful answer. He said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And after that interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus, the disciples now came to understand that through the grace of God, even a rich man could enter the kingdom. And so, dear friends, I don't know everything about your life, but Jesus does. I can't read your thoughts or the desires of your heart, but Jesus can. We aren't physically climbing up into trees like Zacchaeus, but there are other ways that we are trying to get a glimpse of Jesus. There are things we do to try and get his attention. Maybe that's why you're here in church today. Maybe that's why you pray. Maybe that's why you study the Bible. Maybe that's why you practice good works. But I want to let you know, today, right here in this moment, you already have Jesus' attention. You already have his attention. You have already caught his eye. The Bible tells us that we are the apple of his eye. And it's not because of anything you've done or said. It's simply because he loves you. Now, going to church, being in community with like-minded believers, praying, studying your Bible, doing good works, those are all great things to do. But why are we doing them? Do we do them with a transactional concept in my mind? If I do these things, then I will be worthy of salvation. Or do we say, because I know I'm not worthy of salvation, but Jesus is and he gives it to me as a free gift, I'm doing these things because I want to know him better and want to be able to serve him better. One of them will leave you feeling defeated and empty and angry and upset every time, just like the rich young ruler. But the other one, if our goal is to strengthen our relationship with Jesus and to help others connect and strengthen relationships with Jesus, then we can experience joy. There's a joy that comes about by sharing the gospel message. There's a joy that comes about by having an active participation within the Great Commission. Jesus loves you. He wants to lock eyes with you and tell you that he's coming to your house today. He's coming to your house today. 
And maybe you feel that your house is too messed up. It's too cluttered. It's too dirty. But Jesus doesn't care about all that. Jesus already knows about all the disarray in your life. Jesus just wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to call you by your name and tell you that he loves you. And when Jesus gets into your house, when you let him in, there will be a change. There will be a change. And at the end of all things, we know that Jesus wins. And when we look at our lives, it's clear that we have been sinners. But the winner wants to have dinner with sinners. And when he comes into your house, when you let him in, when you open the door to your heart, there will be a change. You will accept the truth that you are now numbered amongst the saints and you have been redeemed by the grace of God. Before we have our closing prayer, I'm gonna invite Mike to come forward and stand at the foot of the steps. He's our elder in charge for today. And after the benediction, those of you who wish to be dismissed can do so. But if there's anybody here that has a, a specific burden You've got a request on your heart that you just want to share, maybe a praise that you would like to joyfully share, then we would love to meet with you. We would love to listen and lift your petition, lift your praise up to the throne of grace. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that he is our example, and we thank you that he was our substitute. Lord, Help us to experience a relationship with you. And may all the things that we do, all of the good works, all of the time that we spend with you, may we view it not as transactional, because, Lord, we can never pay that price, but, Lord, may we view it as relational. May your spirit lead us and guide us to go deeper in our relationship with you and to go deeper in our relationship with others as we represent you. And so, Lord, now, we just want to open the doors to our heart. We know that you know us by name. You have the very hairs on our head numbered. And you want to come into our house. Lord, we want to invite you in so that we can know you better and have the assurance of salvation and be changed. We ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.